0: Good evening and welcome to Point of View, I'm Chris Berg. Thank you so much for joining us. We start tonight with some breaking news. The U.S. House just passed a bill that would grant permanent, permanent U.S. citizenship, wait till you hear this number, to 2.5 million undocumented immigrants. It's going to be dead on arrival in the Senate, but I just wanted you to have That breaking news because congressman kelly Armstrong is going to join us live from washington dc in just a moment to talk about the invasion at our southern border uh, tariffs on products from mexico and much much more i want to start with the fact with this that many many republicans now there was a meeting this afternoon a luncheon meeting with gop senators they are not happy with president trump wanting to impose these tariffs on mexican goods coming into our country in order to try to get mexico to stop this flood of illegal immigrants coming up from that Northern triangle. Many of them are concerned about the impact it could have on our economy and possibly end up raising prices on the goods that you buy at home. So earlier today, President Trump had a press conference with the British PM, PM, excuse me, Prime Minister Theresa May. He was asked about the possibility of Republicans coming together to try to stop him from implementing these tariffs that are supposed to start on June 10th. Here's some of that exchange do you think of Republicans who say that they may take action to block you imposing those tariffs? No, I don't think they will do that. I think if they do, it's foolish. Uh, there's nothing more important than borders, but I think it's more likely that the tariffs go on and we'll probably be talking during the time that the tariffs are on and they're going to be paid. Mexico shouldn't allow millions of people to try and enter our country and they could stop it very quickly. And I think they will. And if they won't, we're going to put tariffs on. So joining us live from Washington, D.C., Congressman Kelly Armstrong. Congressman Armstrong, great to have you with us, sir. Let's start there. Do you support President Trump imposing these tariffs on goods coming in from Mexico in order to try and stop what's happening at the border? Well, there's no doubt that there's a crisis on our southern border. Um,
1: Anybody who's been down there and it's getting worse every day. I just worry that we may be conflating two different um, public issues right now. And more importantly, I just think I I get concerned with when we weaken the people who are supposed to be our allies in Mexico, we actually give more power to the cartels when it gets into the human trafficking and issues. So if this, I mean, I I hope it's had its desired effect already and that the Mexican government has already been in D.C. meeting with Mick Mulvaney and other members of the staff, but um, just as a long-term policy, I think sometimes when we, we go down these roads, we end up causing more problems than we're trying to solve.
0: So just for clarity, is that a no, you don't support these tariffs or yes, you do?
1: Uh, well, it's <laughs> at 5%, we'll see how it goes, but if this drags <laughs> on for any extended period of time, I think it, well, it ends up hurting North Dakota economy as well. But I mean, the crisis at the Southern border is real. And if this has a legitimate shot of solving it um, and solving it quickly, we should do it. But we, uh, I mean, we we need to be able to move our products not just out of North Dakota, but uh, dealing with it. And I also think there's a little bit of a practical impact in that a lot of the goods and services that come to and from Mexico um, oftentimes transfer there more than once, particularly with autos and things like that. It's not like China or Europe where they're coming into a port of entry. So it'd be really interesting to see how the actual enforcement.
0: So if, we, if you're not in favor of these tariffs, what, what would you do? I mean, I look back when, when the GOP had the House, Paul Ryan, I don't know if you want to call him a never-Trump or not, but the guy was super weak on the border. So, so what do you do to stop this? Because we're spending billions of dollars a year right now on illegal immigration. I agree with that. I, I think the first and foremost, go build the wall. Um,
1: Congress has backed um, the president's play on building the wall. We've um, managed, uh, we have, we've given him the authority to do it. The money is available, so now it's, I mean, it's incumbent, we gotta get this wall built. And you and I have talked about this before, about, I mean, now that the authorization's there, it's up to the Army Corps of
0: Engineers or whoever that is to actually get the wall built. So let's get into this. You heard President Trump there say as well at the end, hey, it'd be easy for them to stop the flow of millions of people coming up through their country referring to Mexico. Uh, How? How is that easy for them to do and why haven't they done it already? well I I think their southern border is
1: definitely an issue but I think that's part of the, um, the issue here is is so much of this I mean a lot of people who used to traffic narcotics across the border and they've been doing this pretty well for 30 40 years are now into human trafficking across the border and I think we're dealing with the criminal element in Mexico and we I mean whatever the solution is and how we can get our allies down in Mexico to help is the way to do it but I just worry we empower the criminal element more by doing some of the by taking
0: some of these tactics not less but that's what I'm- getting at sir is that in my opinion it's one thing to say the Mexican government can do something but I think you and I may or may not agree on this but it's the cartels that are really driving this so President Trump says hey it's easy for Mexico to stop this he's using tariffs at a negotiation lever point but I guess my question to you is what do you see the play here to be when President Trump says it's easy for them to do what are those steps specifically in your opinion well and i don't know i haven't talked to the
1: administration about that but that is a concern and that is i mean this is something i have a little experience with in my former <laughs> life and the northern third of mexico is controlled significantly more by the cartels than it is actually by the mexican government and that ends up being a huge part of the problem and whether it's i mean when they in whether it's human trafficking or drugs and moving that way i will tell you what i think the most unfortunate part is we could do amnesty, amnesty reform and border security on our side right now and this wouldn't be as much of an issue
0: Amnesty reform, what do you mean specifically?
1: Well, it, we, our laws are inadequate to deal with the humanitarian crisis that is going on on the border right now, and it, we're dealing with it right now. In that we, I mean, the, the amount of time that we are allowed to process people and the resources we have is causing not only just a border crisis, but a hu- humanitarian crisis. Uh, the other day in Mexico or in Texas, there was a thousand people that crossed in an hour, and the re- reality is, is we don't have the ability or the legal authority to, to deal with them in the way we have to. And we could pass bills right now in Congress that would give DHS that authority. But we won't do it because Democratic leadership won't acknowledge that there's an actual crisis on the border.
0: But Congressman, let's take it one step further and see if you and I agree on this. I, if I, if I'm Speaker Pelosi, okay, I've got the House right now. I want more than anything to get rid of Donald Trump. One of his biggest promises was to build a wall, as you alluded to earlier. We've got this incredible crisis at the border that now everyone, I think, pretty much agrees on. So if I'm Speaker Pelosi, I'm quote unquote winning more political power if I do nothing, aren't I? So why bring a bill to the floor to change it? Well, I.
1: I would argue that not everybody agrees there's a crisis in the border. I don't think Democratic leadership in the U.S. House of Representatives agrees there's crisis on the border. And, I mean, they're not going (laughs) down there. They're not seeing what's going on. And they're using it as a political punchline. And these are, not only are these law enforcement agents that are putting their lives on the line every day, but the people who are coming are, I mean, this is a serious humanitarian
0: crisis, and we need to address it. Well, one of these you talked about earlier is, Juan, well. I want to get your take on this. So we put these tariffs on. In fact, let me play this clip for you, sir. As you mentioned, there's a delegation uh, in the United States now from Mexico. This is the f- Mexican foreign minister uh, earlier today, in English, by the way, sir. So I want to play this clip and give you a chance to respond.
1: Tariffs along with the decision to cancel the aid programs to the Northern Central American countries could have a counterproductive effect and would not reduce the migration flows. Tariffs could cause financial and economic instability, which means that Mexico could reduce its capacity to address migration flows and to offer alternatives to the new migrants who have recently arrived
0: in Mexico. Does he make a point, sir?
1: Well, I I think generally overall, whether we're talking about H-2A visas, H-1B visas, or H-1A visas, one of the issues that we have to address with all of these things are that when we do these programs better, we have a good, steady workforce. Not only does it help, I mean, we have 30,000 open jobs in North Dakota. We need immigration too, but you help bring that money back home. And so a lot of these people go back, go to their families, they make more money working up here in eight months than they'll make in a year down there. And so that's one of the ways we have to build this. And I think there's two different issues with Mexico. One, there's the migration from Mexico, and then two, there's the migration from the country south of Mexico. And those are two different issues. Um, And there's significant different, not only because of who's coming, why they're coming, but also how we can deal with them when we get here. You know, most of our problems on the border are dealing with people who are not from Mexico because the rules are different and inadequate to deal with them. Right. So, I do think that there is an ability for Mexico to deal with their southern border in, in a more substantial way, um, but also, I don't. I think it might be a little disingenuous to say they're doing a whole lot with the migrants when
0: they get to Mexico, other than allowing them to keep going well. north. <laughs> the, the other bad news, right, I do want to move on here, is the fact that He also said that, hey, we are not going to make Mexico a safe country for these asylees. That is off the table, according to him. Quickly on this, uh, Congressman Armstrong, because I want to move on to what's happening near House Judiciary Committee. But how do you think these tariffs and this this, um, kerfuffle, if you will, could impact uh, the future of the USMCA trade agreement? Well, I, I think one thing. I think we can pass that in
1: um, on the U.S. House. I think we'd pass it right now if Speaker Pelosi would let, let it go to the uh, let it go to the floor. And I think once we pass that, then there's a whole different set of conversations that start getting involved. I don't agree. I don't think you can keep these things in a vacuum. When you're working on a multinational or multi-year significant trade agreement that is good for all North Dakota producers, it's also good for Mexico and it's great for Canada as well. Which is the way these agreements should work. But I don't think you can. I don't think you can micro. I, I mean. Put these into different silos one will affect the other but I think the easiest way to determine how that happens is we should have Speaker Pelosi put USMCA on the floor. Yeah, I've been let's to see pass it and see what happens.
0: I agree. It'll be interesting to see what comes out of the meetings tomorrow with Secretary Pompeo as well. Let's move on to this. You're also part of the House Judiciary Committee. Uh, Chairman Nadler is subpoenaing. And it seems like everybody on the planet will get to that in a moment. But I do want to move on to this. You guys on Monday i have got a hearing now. And if we can bring up uh, your great tweet that you put out <laughs> where they're calling it lessons from the Mueller report, uh, obstruction of justice and other crimes. You said, hey, let's just call it impeachment, what it is. I love that. One of the witnesses you guys are calling in, I believe Monday, is John Dean, the former White House counsel for Nixon, who actually um, pleaded guilty to obstruction of justice. I'm going to play a couple clips for you, Congressman, and then give you a chance to respond. The first one is you back on uh, the show here on April 22nd, shortly after the Mueller report came out. We were talking about obstruction of justice. Here's what you had to say.
1: You need to understand that there is an obstruction of ju- You can obstruct justice even if there's no underlying charge.
0: People, Congressman, that ruffles feathers, saying, "Hey, you can obstruct justice even if there's no underlying charge." So I want to play for you what John Dean said, who you're going to have a chance to question next week. He was on CNN the day the Mueller report came out. Here's what he said about obstruction of justice. As far as the obstruction goes, this is clear obstruction, Jake. It, 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 the obstruction statute is an endeavor statute as well as an actual overt action. But just the, the, if you endeavor to obstruct. And there is m- much evidence here of Endeavor. You violated the, the uh, obstruction statute. So based on what you said, Congressman, with no underlying crime and what John Dean said there, is there a possibility that President Trump could be guilty of obstructing justice? Yeah, I don't think so. I'm just saying as a, when I was talking to you as a
1: basic legal tenant that, I mean, you don't have to have an underlying crime in order to commit obstruction, and and that is true, but I also think, and you and I have talked about this as well, um, also I'd just like to back up a little bit on his, on his quote. Um, <laughs> I don't think uh, the legal standard for obstruction is quite as low as he makes it, not for President Trump, not for anybody. Um, I've spent a lot of time in criminal courtrooms over the years, and I can tell you that the standard is not nearly that low, and if it was. Um, we. Everybody who's ever been involved in anything at all would pros- possibly be. Um- this should concern everybody the standard is pretty clear and i think it's a little different with the president in that they make a huge deal about him attempting to fire mueller and i find that really interesting now attempt can also be a crime it's a little different when you're the president of the united states he tells mcgann to fire mueller he shows up for work the next morning mcgann's not fired i think the president could pick up the phone and fire mueller on his own i mean he had a pretty significant, successful TV show, which whole premise was you're fired. So, um, attempt's a little different when you're the president of the United States. I mean, anything he truly wanted to do with that investigation as far as, far as ceasing the employment of anybody in the special investigator's office, all he had to do is pick up the phone yeah. and do it. And that never happened.
0: Congressman, you had an incredible job where they had some, uh, Democrat people in, uh, talking about obstruction of justice. I'm going to get to that in a moment, because I think you've really done a nice job of, of uh, poking holes in this dog and pony show, in my opinion, The Democrats are putting on. So two things there quickly. One, would you like to see Bob Mueller testify in front of your committee? And if so, what would be the first question you would ask him? Um, The first question
1: I would ask him would be, when were you done with the uh, collusion investigation? And, and you... that would be the basis of the rest of my con- um, questioning, because while you can have an, an obstruction charge without an underlying crime, I'd like to know how long the obstruction investigation was going on after they knew there was no underlying crime, because, quite frankly, that's improper. And more
0: importantly, I don't think the American people would accept that for going on for very much peri- a very long period of time. And so, again, to show some more of this circus, this dog and pony show, the fact that they're now subpoenaing like Hope Hicks and things like that, Why are they not subpoenaing Bob Mueller? I think one of your questions is exactly why. They don't want to have him answer that question. With that also being said, um, you talked about last week, hey, we can't have Barr break the law and hold him in contempt. Why hasn't Nadler asked a judge to compel Barr to release this information, do you think?
1: Because they're not interested in the truth, they're interested in the fight, and I also think they're trying to discredit um, Bill Barr as much as humanly possible because they he I mean. Re- there are some serious questions about the genesis of this investigation and who was involved and why, the, and why some of these things were done. And I think Bill Barr is very clear that he is going to find out, going to find out how that started. And I think that scares some people over here, and it should. I mean, there there there's some really concerning things about how this
0: investigation started. So let me ask you this: Do you see indictments coming? And if so, for who? oh chris you, this is where i'm bad tv for you because i've told
1: you this a thousand times i'm not going to do what the democrats do <laughs> i'm going to wait and see what the evidence is before i
0: speculate and i think we all can respect that sir congressman kelly armstrong great stuff thank you for the time thanks chris keep up the great work too my, i mean your testimony when you're asking those questions again i say hey, if i ever need to hire a defense attorney it's, it's kelly armstrong because his stuff is going major viral check out his stuff on twitter He's doing an outstanding job in these committee hearings.